0: In the book of 1 John, we're going to look at 1 John 1, 5, 6, and 7. And we're going to come to the first if. There's all kinds of things in the book of 1 John that we're not even going to get to talk about. Because we're talking about where John said if. And you're going to see that matter-of-factness in him. That assurance in in the principles that he is conveying that assurance with which he teaches the word of God so it starts out there in in, uh, John chapter 1 verse 5 through 7 this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all you hear that Assurance. God is light. There is no darkness in him. Then he says his first if in this book. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie. Oh, Lord Jesus. Some of this stuff will just teach itself. You don't have to say anything about it, but we're going to say much about it. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if, number two, we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All right. So so John jumps right in here and he says, if we say that we have fellowship with him if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness that we are lying. And I begin to consider that and I begin to wonder who are we lying to? If I say that I walk in the light but I'm hanging out in the dark oh, you got it. You're lying first to yourself. Now, now we must consider before we get into this, John said, in him there is no darkness. We talked about some of this when we were in the book of John, but but I would like to spend some time here, and I would like to rehearse again some of this understanding. In him there is no darkness. So I'm going to again address for you an incorrect um, theology that runs among believers. Believers the thing that we refer to as blind faith. In him, there is no darkness. I have concluded in my walk with God that if the Lord is is leading me, that whenever I need to move forward, if I don't have understanding about the forward motion, the thing that I need to be doing next, the step that I need to be taking, that I need to be waiting until I have illumination from him or else I am stepping in the dark. The moment that I take a step in the dark, I'm not, John said it, I didn't, I'm not in fellowship with him. The only fellowship with the Father is in the light. The only fellowship with the Father is in understanding. The only fellowship with the Father is in the illumination of wisdom and the appropriate and correct response to His Word through that wisdom. That's how we stay in fellowship with Him. Many believers across the face of the church... In, in, uh, around the world make decisions every day wondering if it's the decision they should have made because they hurried ahead of information download from the Spirit of God related to that decision. Now, I'm going to tell you something that's not going to be popular because it will slow you down. And I've just discovered that God's not in as big of a hurry as I am. Generally, about anything. Oh, I need to make a decision about this today. Lord, tell me what to do. Lord, tell me what to do. And the Lord is silent. Don't do it. Stop. So he says... If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we are lying. Now, James says this, and and I'm going to agree with what our sister said. We're first being... We're the worst about lying to ourselves, aren't we? We're the worst about telling ourselves everything's all right when it isn't. We're the worst about telling ourselves... That, uh, that, that everything's wrong when it isn't. I think actually that's what more people do is they tell them, they'll, they'll tell themselves that everything's going sideways when in fact it's not going sideways at all. But as the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you can have everything fine, but you can wake up and feel like everything's wrong and just live out of everything being wrong when nothing's wrong. Anybody ever done that? Anybody know anybody who lives there, lives out of their emotions, just feeling like everything's going wrong when nothing's different today than it was yesterday? How many have woke up one day and, and everything just feels like something's wrong, but nothing's different than it was yesterday? I would suggest that that maybe needs to be taken to prayer. You certainly, would. that would be something you'd want to pray about. But that's not something you want to live out of. Don't walk in the dark. So it says in James chapter 1 and verse 22, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. This is where believers become self-deceived. This is where believers began to be dishonest with themselves, begin to convince themselves of one thing when things are, uh, are another way that because they become hearers of the word and they say, oh, that was a blessed word. I'm so blessed by that word, but that word does not affect change. The word of God is of no value unless it produces change in us. The Word of God is, is just a book with, with words on a page unless it comes into us and affects change in us. And the way that we walk in the light of God is that when His Word is introduced into our life and we begin to change because of what we hear, we begin to let that instruction be applied to us and change us. For instance, we, when, the, when the Word says, Fear not... Don't be afraid, and yet we live in that place of constant anxiety. The scripture is telling us, let that light shine in that place. Don't stay in that place of anxiety. Use the word and climb out of that pit. Now, is that easy? No, please, don't misunderstand me. I'm not suggesting that that process is easy. I'm suggesting that you take step one and move to step two. Through the process, let the Lord lead you out of that dark place. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Another another example, a great example of that is just that of finance. The scripture says Jesus said more about money than he said about love. He said more about our resource than he said about love. And then the apostle goes and tells us that in all all the gifts and all the callings and everything that that can happen in the life of a believer, and the greatest of these is love. And then Jesus treated the area of your finance and your resource and your blessing with greater, uh, uh, greater measure. What does he want you to do? He wants you to come in line with the word of God regarding your finances. God does not need your money. He needs a covenant with you. He needs your, you to trust him. He needs you to be fully invested in your relationship with Him. He needs you to be all in. Your money is part of that process. And so we are hearers of the word... But then fear grips us regarding having more months than we have money, and, and then we are not responsive to the Word of God. But then all the time we're saying, Oh, Lord, bless us, bless us, bless us. But yet the Word tells us that there are some areas in our life that He can only bless us through obedience. Oh, this is a pastoral message today. So he says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. If you are a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, you're deceiving yourself. And then he gives this biblical example. If you're deceiving yourself, it's as though you were a hearer of the word and not a doer. It's like a man who looks at himself in the mirror. He observes his self, and then he goes away, and he immediately forgets what he looks like. It is an extremely talented guy who can do a self-portrait. And most of those guys do it staring in a mirror because the minute that you look away from the mirror, you forget about that mole on the end of your nose. I hope no (laughs) one has a mole on the end of their nose. I'm not picking on you. If you do, I I haven't noticed. It's amazing to me when 57-year-old Anthony gets up and looks in the mirror in the morning, and I'm like, whoa, where did that guy come from? Because I'm still a 25-year-old guy in my head. Because we look in the mirror, and then we forget what was there. And the scripture says that when we look into the word of God and it does not affect change in us we're looking in the word of god and we're saying oh what a blessed promise that is but then we walk away and we're a forgetful hearer and we fail to be a doer i'm preaching to myself come on so he says in verse 25 Listen to, this. Listen to the way that they, these words are framed. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. I love, I love John's terminology there when he's talking about the word of God. The perfect law of liberty. He who looks in... But he doesn't stop there. He looks into the perfect law of liberty and then he continues in it. I'm going to help you with something. It is a lie from the enemy for you and I to read the word of God, if we're believer, if you've, if you've said yes to Jesus and you've asked him to come into your heart, there, there, there was something that in my, in my youth, in my younger years, as a man of God and as a, as a leader in the church, I used to hear people say things like, I read the word and it just, I, I don't get anything, I don't understand it, I don't get anything out of it. And I would pat him on the back and I'd say, I, I'm so sorry you're experiencing that, I'll pray for you. I don't say that anymore. You know what I say now? Read it again. Wait, 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 wait. Did you learn your phone number? Do you know your own address? Can you drive to the grocery store and back and not get lost? Then you can know what is in the Word of God. If you can learn your address... You can learn a passage of scripture. You are making this harder than it has to be. And the enemy wants you to make it harder than it has to be. And the reason he wants you to make it harder than it has to be so that you will look into it but not continue in it. He wants you to look in it and go, Oh, I can't do that. I can't live out of that. That way you become a hearer of the Word and not a doer of the Word and you walk in personal deception that everything is is hunky-dory and everything is peachy when in fact there are some things that God is desiring to do in you but He needs your attention. So he says, John says, in in concert with what James is saying in James chapter 1, John says here uh, in in this passage that we are looking at in 1 John, John says, if you say you walk in the light, but you're still stumbling around like you're in the darkness and you're living in a place that you call blind faith and you're just hoping everything works out all right, then you're not in fellowship. This is the message which we have heard from him and which we declare to you. This is the message. God is light and in him there is no darkness. God is light and in him there is no shadow. you know what, that should comfort you. God, is not, God does not have one thing in this book, not one thing in the kingdom of God that he has shadowed to hide from you. Because if God were hiding something from you, he would have to have a shadow to hide it in. And in him there is no darkness. God does not have a dark room in heaven where he's hiding stuff from you. Because anywhere he is, there is light. So when you're facing challenges as a believer, and we will face them, thank God Jesus was smart enough to tell us that. When you're facing difficulty, when you're in the process of life, how many understand that life is not always easy? The joy of the Father's heart is for you and I to come and sit with Him and say, I'm facing this challenge. But the discipline of our life is to say to Him, I'm facing this challenge and I'm not making a decision about it until I hear from you. Now, there are some people that are going to over-spiritualize that and they're going to go down to the grocery store and they're going, to pr- they're going to pray over which yogurt to buy. I'm serious. There are some people that are going to take those processes of daily life. You know what the Bible says about it? If you eat, eat in faith. If you abstain, abstain in faith. In other words, don't don't get caught up in some of those things that the enemy would just use to distract you and to overcomplicate this process of just walking with God. It is a joy to walk with Him. He is delighted when you come and sit with Him. But when you're facing the challenges of life, when you're facing decisions and raising your children, when you're facing uh, struggles, not understanding, how many understand that you can't read their mind, but He can? You're facing relationship challenges and extended family dynamics that, that are just pressing in against you. And, you, and you, you get the reality from the Word of God that it's not just your will that's involved here, but it's the will of others. And God isn't making any, He's not making anyone do anything. And so every time I talk to God in in, in marriage, in relationship with children, with family, every time I talk to God and I go to God about someone and I say, Lord, deal with their heart. Make them see this. Make them understand. He always deals with me. That's not a bad prayer to pray, to ask God to change someone's heart. but inevitably when i begin when i'm in relationship with someone and i'm asking god to change their attitude he deals with mine because above all he's got my ear he wants me in the light he doesn't want me stumbling around in the dark causing more complications to the issues So inevitably, inevitably when you have a conversation with God, the first person he will always talk to you about is you. You go to the Lord and you say, Oh, this teenager Lord that I have and, and all of this is going on and, and working is hard and, and straighten that kid out and help me know what to do. And the Lord says, the Lord says, stop provoking into wrath. Stop provoking that child to frustration. That doesn't doesn't mean don't bring the hammer down when it's necessary. Please, don't misunderstand me. You've been given the responsibility to lead your house. Lead it. You see, the other side of this is that we we would begin to say to ourselves... When a lot of times, a lot of times when God illuminates our understanding about a circumstance or a situation that we are dealing with, or a relationship that we're in, or, or what's to be done about this, that, or the other thing, we don't like the answer. And so we say, oh, I didn't see that. Because how many understand that whenever the Lord does give us the responsibility uh, to Take up, he says, take up your cross. I'm mean, you go, ooh, I'll do that. That some of the things that the Lord calls upon us to do requires the discipline of the process. And so we wait and we don't hear the answer and so, or, or we won't receive the answer that we're hearing. And so rather than walk in that illumination because we don't like what, where that leads, We think in our estimation that we stay and we wait until someone says what we want to hear. And then we do that. No, he'll speak clearly to you. He'll speak to you if you will be submitted to the Lord in a way that says, Lord, I'm going to do exactly what you tell me to do. I'm going to walk exactly where you tell me to walk. I'm going to go where you tell me to go. I'm I'm going to obey you. I'm going to obey your word. I'm going to obey the principles of the word of God. I'm going to apply them to my life. No matter how difficult it may seem in the moment, I'm going to be disciplined to the task that is before me. And I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit is strength and grace to me to walk through those assignments and through those times. He will illuminate your understanding. You will walk in light. And there's no reason for believers to walk in darkness. So we... He says we lie and we do not practice the truth. So we lie to ourselves and, and, and then there are those that lie to others. And, and I just want to help you with this. There are people on the earth, because of the spirit of Antichrist, there are people on the earth that want to call themselves a believer and want to be understood as a believer and have no intention And the Proverbs will tell you about that. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 10 through 15, it says, When wisdom enters our heart, it will preserve us from those who leave the paths of righteousness to walk in darkness. It will preserve us from those who would even mean us harm. It will preserve us from those who would lead us astray. It will preserve us from those who would speak uh, things to us that are not wisdom from God. You want a discerning ear. That's why he gave us the gift of discernment. So the way that John says this in, uh, in 1 John, he says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not, now listen to this, he's not, he's not mincing words here, we do not practice the truth. How many understand the word practice? How many understand when you practice, sometimes you get it right, and sometimes you get it wrong? How many understand that we practice to develop the strength and the ability to be skillful? So when we're starting out, listen, starting out, I I didn't hear the voice of the Lord easily. I did not understand when I was hearing from him. Sometimes I hear from him through his word. Sometimes I hear from him when when someone's singing a worship song and those words minister life to me. Sometimes I hear from him when I'm around a table in conversation with other believers and we're conversing about a particular subject and then something clicks in my spirit and I understand God's speaking to you right now. Sometimes I hear from Him just when I'm sitting and I'm contemplating a a circumstance or a situation and all of a sudden, understanding illuminates within me and I realize God just spoke to me. He has not yet spoken to me audibly. He did my mother one time. Saved her life. She'd worked all night and she was driving home. She was extremely exhausted and it was dark on the road and and she was falling asleep. And she heard the Lord or an angel from the Lord, I don't know, She, she heard in my father's voice. My father was in bed. He snores, I know he was in bed. Or he snored, I know he was in bed. But she heard in my father's voice very loud. Her name is Geneva and she heard, Geneva, wake up. And she's startled and she woke herself up and she drove a little while longer and she began to fall asleep and she heard, Geneva, don't do that. Wake up. Twice. Audibly. He loves you enough, he might might speak to you audibly. I haven't heard that yet. But I know the voice of the Lord. I know the voice of the Lord like I know the voice of my own children, like I know the voice of my own wife because I've spent enough time with him now to know his voice. But it was not so in the beginning in my walk with him. And this is what I want you to understand. It would be impractical of me to say to you, listen to the Lord, if you've not developed a hearing ear to listen to the Lord yet. The, The practical thing for me to say to you is sit with the Lord and wait upon Him until you begin to discern and understand His voice. And one of the ways that you do that is the Lord is never going to tell you to do something contrary to what He has already said. Amen. God will not tell you to, to rob a bank to pay your rent. These people who are saying that God told him to shoot up a skull or God told them to this and that and the other thing, their God told them, but your God didn't. I'm not saying they're not hearing voices, but it's not his voice. These guys who have bombed abortion clinics in the name of the church and in the name of Jesus, they did not hear from your God. They heard from the father of lies because that's not how God would work. So, he says, not only do they lie, but they don't practice the truth. So this is the practical thing that John is saying to you. Take this word and put it into practice. Now, the thing that happens when we put the word into practice is that we stumble. How many understand when you're learning to walk, you fall down? What if in the moment that a child fell down, they felt utterly condemned for falling down and they never got up again? But yet, do we not do that? We stumble and we fall, and then we go, oh, I just must be a hypocrite. Well, the next time your little toddler falls down, you just say, stay down there, hypocrite. How much sense does that make? But yet, is that not what we do? In our walk with God, he's teaching us the principles of the kingdom. We're walking along and we stumble and we fall and we go, oh God, I disappointed you. And he's a father. He's over there helping pick us up again. No, you're learning to walk. Walk in life. We go stumbling around in the dark for a minute and, we, and the first thing we do, the enemy comes and he jumps up on our ear and he starts telling us, well, he, he's so disappointed in you. He doesn't want to hear from you again. No, what he wants to hear is, okay, I realize I took a few steps in my own thinking. Would you show me how not to do that again? It's that simple. That's what, that's what true repentance is. That's what real repentance is. The very definition of, we, we've, we've thought that repentance, and, and, and it is true, that repentance sometimes comes with tears and anguish for the reality of our sin, and it should, and, and that's just fine. And if, if you find yourself in a place of sin, and then the, the, that your emotions are caught up in that, in that uh, series or process of repentance, and you weep over sin, you should. I rejoice when someone will be broken about sin. But the reality of it is, at the end of the day, if they get up from that weeping and nothing changes, that, has no, that is not repentance. And folks who have no emotional response whatsoever, but they're walking in a direction and they realize, I'm going the wrong way. And through the word and by the spirit, they turn and begin to go the correct way, that is repentance. Repentance is simply changing directions when we realize we have that aha moment from God or or, or from someone else that the, the decision that we're making or the direction that we're going is not going to produce the desired result. So whenever people come to Jesus, they're on their way to hell without God, they're on their way to eternity without Him, and suddenly the the Holy Spirit deals with them and the light bulb comes on and they go, oh, I need to walk with God, and they turn from their sin. That's repentance. Now it's appropriate for there to be confession with the mouth, the Bible says that. It's appropriate for there to be a believing in the heart, the Bible says that. But the end of that is that there will be a change in direction. That is the completion of repentance. And so many times we continue to do things in the same way over and over again. Keeping our fingers crossed that this time it will turn out different. Hoping against hope. When in reality, the only thing that will produce difference for us is a change of direction. That we stop stumbling in the dark and we start walking in the light, the wisdom and the illumination of God. It's not easy. I'm not suggesting that it's always easy. But this is what it says. Let's go on. Because he says the next if in verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light. Now. Oh, let me talk about light for a minute. For just a minute. There are three kinds of light in the kingdom. You see this in the tabernacle. I don't want to get into a big teaching on the tabernacle this morning, but in the outer court where the uh, brazen altar is, where the altar of sacrifice is, where the lamb was slain, where in Moses' tabernacle, when they bring the lamb in and offer sacrifices, that was outside in the dirt. That's natural light. That means for however many hours of light there was in the daytime, that altar area was lit. And then whenever the sun went down and it got dark, it was dark out there by the altar and the washing labor. That's outside. Natural light. Many people live their entire lives in the kingdom of God. The sun comes up and they live in the light of that moment and then the sun goes down and they walk in the dark and they just think this is just part of the process. I just, sometimes it's light and sometimes it's dark. No, let's get you filled with the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit, when you step into the next room in the tabernacle, I, I didn't know I was going to go through this day, but it just seems appropriate to me in the Holy Spirit right now. When you step into the tabernacle, the Bible says uh, in, that, in that first room, there's a table of showbread. That's communion, fellowship. Fellow, everybody say the word fellowship. fellowship. We're going to deal with that in just a minute. That's communion, fellowship. And then there is uh, the brazen altars over there, uh, and that's where we worship. And then there's a candle there, and that's the illumination of the Holy Spirit. That, that light that is in that room, the Bible says that light never goes out if you keep oil in the candle. Now, there are some folks who live in the light of the illumination of the Holy Spirit and they enjoy that extended period of brightness, but they don't keep oil in their lamp. They let the oil run out. And according to Scripture, that's about half of us. Right? If you, get into, if you want to just get into the statistics of it all, the Bible says there were Ten virgins, five wise and five foolish. The five wise ones kept enough oil so that their light would stay lit all the time. The five foolish ones only brought what was in the lamp, not thinking, gee, it might run out. So the responsibility then comes to us not just to be filled with the Spirit, but to do what the Word says and to continually be filled with the Spirit. So if you find yourself in the situation, oh pastor, I'm so dry. Oh pastor, I, just everything just seems dead to me. Get in the presence of the Lord. You got to get filled up again. Go get some more oil. But in the according to Scripture, according to that picture that we have, if you go into the uh, the fullness of the Spirit of God, you're to never be in darkness again. But it's your responsibility to keep oil in the lamp. It's your responsibility to keep being filled. Start, you, how many of y'all would just keep driving if the gas tank said empty? But you're just boom, right on down the road. I'm just going to walk by faith, blind faith right here. I'm going to get to my destination. No gas right? No. You start getting nervous. That needle's getting down there. I hope there's another gas station between here and my destination. Oh, there's one. Right in there. Let's get some gas. Same thing, same principle applies. Life whacks you around a little bit. Difficulty comes. Uh, you, you have had some busy days and, and you find yourself weary. It's time to go into the presence of the Lord. You wake up one morning and, and nothing's changed, but you feel like something's wrong. It's a call to prayer. You wake up one day and you realize you're dealing with the issue. Maybe, maybe you feel depressed and you're like, I don't have any reason to be depressed. I don't know why I feel this way. It's a call to the presence of the Lord. You need some more oil get under we used to say when I was when I was growing up in the old Pentecostal phrase get under the spout where the glory comes out I was I was very busy the last few days and, and I walked out in my office and in my, I'm, I'm my prayer room at home and, and I I turned on I always turn on Uh, Pandora and and I have several worship station selections on there and and I walked in my office and I was just on my way out there to get something and get back in to do what I needed to do and I took a few minutes and I turned on uh, Pandora and and I picked a, a, a selection of worship and I let that song play for a few minutes and I just stood in my office with the door closed and I just let those words wash over me and I just said Lord it feels so good to be in your presence. I mean, how long is a song? Three minutes? Well, it depends. If it's a modern worship song, it's six minutes. But <laughs> If, they, if it's terribly repetitive, there's nine minutes. But I stood in the presence of the Lord for a minute and listened to that worship just come across me and for a moment just wash in His presence and, and sense the anointing of the Lord. And I, and I just thought, oh Lord, this is exactly what I need in this moment. It's just a call to his presence. If you sit with the Lord... And he does not speak to you. You sit there 10 or 15 minutes and the Lord doesn't speak to you. You don't feel like you've heard anything. Write in your journal, Oh Lord, I love you with all my heart. I'm so excited that I'm tuning my ear to hear from you. I'm waiting to hear your voice. Next time you come back to sit before the Lord, open up your journal, read those lines to him again and wait. He will speak to you. I think when my, in my case, when I started coming and sitting with the Lord, that he waited long enough to make sure I was going to keep coming. This is kind of what arose in my understanding. Let's not start this conversation if we're not going to finish it, right? right. And, and I feel like that's how the Lord was. I just waited. Now, when I come into the presence of the Lord, when I come in and I say, Lord, I need to talk to you, he goes, yeah, what's up? I'm serious. I don't, I don't wait 27 minutes to hear his voice, but it was not so in the beginning. And I'm challenging you. I, I believe in your behalf that because you're hearing those words and you're receiving that instruction that you could sit with the Lord and you could hear from him in a moment now because you've heard the instruction to go and to wait in his presence. Hear from him. I don't think that process, I think I, what I'm saying is I made that process harder than it has to be. It is not hard to hear from him. He is always speaking. It's a matter of us getting the spiritual wax out of our ears. So he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, here's that word, we have fellowship with one another. Now, I don't, I don't think that That statement limits it to fellowship with one another. Here, we're talking about walking with God. We have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship together as a body of believers, and we have fellowship with the Spirit of God if we walk in the light as He is in the light. So let's get back to that issue of light. So now we're in the inner court there where the lampstand is that we're responsible to keep the light on to keep the oil in the lamp and to have fellowship, that communion, that show, table of showbread is there. We have communion and we go over to that, uh, to that altar of incense and there we worship him. And that all, all of that, that whole picture there, uh, the Holy Spirit and the table of showbread and the altar of incense that is our worship and our prayers that go up before him, all of that, all of that draws the picture of fellowship do you realize there's nothing in that room that limits access? And then from that room, the scripture tells us that the next room was the most holy place where in the Old Testament context, the priest would go in with pomegranates on his robe and bells on his robe so they were clanging the whole time because if he ever got quiet, there was a rope out there and they dragged him out because he had died in the presence of the Lord. But now because of Jesus, nobody dies in the presence of God. No No one is ever destroyed in his presence. No one needs bells and pomegranates on their robe. No one needs a rope around their leg. Well, what would happen when he would go in and he would begin to offer the blood sacrifice there that, uh, that was being offered there at the, the altar that the Bible says that the room was illuminated by the presence of God. It is in that room. There's not a light bulb. There's not a candle stand. There's nothing but the light of God shines. The Bible tells us in the, in the New Jerusalem, there's no, there's no sun. Why? Because the Lamb is the light. God is light. In him there is no darkness. This is why we're pressing upon the issue of fellowship and of iron sharpening of iron and us building one another up and why I'm, I'm pressing on that idea of, of, of an exchange of virtue between you as believers. It's important for you to understand that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. Now, how many understand that there are some people who don't like light? The scripture says that, makes it clear. It says of those, you love darkness because your deeds are evil, because there are things you don't want revealed. Yeah. You've, got, you've got to, listen, there are some believers who don't trust God because they're afraid that he's going to show all their junk. Right. I'm looking at the clock, see how much time? I have? When I was a young man, the prophet used to come to our church two, two times in January. And I, I laugh about this. It's kind of an amusing thing now. looking Now that I'm in a relationship with God and, 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 and that, that helps me to understand that he's not condemning me, he's not, he's not tearing me down for my weakness and the frailty of my flesh and for mistakes that I make or stupid things I do that I know I shouldn't. See, there are some things we do that are not mistakes. They're just stupid. Lord told me I hit a home run today. That was a home run. <laughs> and God does not tear us up about it. He's so patient with us, not willing that any should perish, the Bible says, but that all of us should come to repentance. But not having that understanding about him in my younger years, thinking that He was writing me about my weakness and on to me about my frailty and frustrated with me when I failed. That was the the context with which I understood him at the time. The prophet would come and, and she was accurate. I mean, she could tell your address and she could tell you your sin. And it bugs me now. I think about the times that I stood before her and she prophesied to me. I wonder what she knew that she didn't say. Because I did hear her say a few things from time to time. Because she was very gracious with correction, but I heard, I heard correction. But anyway, nevertheless, she was, she was a very accurate prophet. And, and so we would, as we, they would begin to announce that, that she was scheduled and she was coming, we would immediately in, enter new seasons of repentance. I'm serious. I mean, I grew up in a con I wish we had more of this. L- listen, I do wish we had more of, uh, of the, the, some of the, maybe some of the Old Testament concept of, of honor for the presence of the Lord. Because, because God has not changed. He's worthy of our honor. And uh, and so that we were we were taught when we were little kids, imagine this: come walk with Jesus, He loves you. Don't you talk when somebody's prophesying? God'll strike you dead. You know those, those kinds of things. Dichotomy within the kingdom. But yet we were taught to honor the presence of the Lord. So the prophet would come, and, and, and boy, we'd start repenting somewhere after the first, you've got to get through New Year's before you repent, you understand, because a whole lot happens at New Year's after have to of. And so, uh, nevertheless, we would get to this two weeks that the prophet was coming, and, and I remember that feeling of, of terror, particularly, This an old Scottish woman, and she said, Anthony, come here. If she ever said, Anthony, come here, I was melting inside. Never one time was the word of God, the, the prophetic word that came forth, anything other than gracious. Ever. Even in seasons of correction, it was with great grace. Never has God ever revealed A single place of brokenness in my own heart, except to bring me to a place of full healing and full restoration. Never. Never. Never will God ever speak to you and bring an atmosphere of condemnation in an atmosphere of correction. Now, He'll bring correction. He will bring, oh, He's a father. He'll bring correction. We don't despise the Lord's chastening. We embrace it. But he always does it in a way that is uplifting. And, and every time the Lord... Most of the time when the, Lord, when the Lord corrects me, he corrects me because I'm listening. But some folks, he, he brings correction uh, other ways so that they can walk in the light, but they don't have their ears on. They're not, they're not listening to what the Lord says, and so circumstances arise that He's trying to get their attention. The Bible teaches us, and, and, and history teaches this, particularly with respect to the, the, the shepherd, you see, you see this picture uh, that, that artists have drawn of Jesus, and, he's, and it's Jesus, but he's carrying all these little, he's got these little sheep around him and these little lambs, and he's got one around his neck. You know why that lamb is there? He broke its leg. Well, that's mean. No. That little lamb in that picture, that is depicted in that picture, is a lamb that kept running off and going his own way. But he was part of the flock. And the shepherd loved him enough that he dislocated his leg so that it would hurt for him to walk. Then he carries him around until he heals. And by the time the brokenness is healed, listen to this, listen to this, receive the revelation of this, by the time his brokenness is healed, he's so fallen in love with the shepherd, he stays by his feet. Why was I submitted to such brokenness? so that He could carry me, so that by the time my brokenness was healed, I would stay at His feet. Then when we get past that, we get to the place in our life that we will say, Oh God, I would have never chosen it, but thank You for bringing me through those broken places. I have learned to love walking with You. When Josiah was a little guy, before we adopted him, when he was in foster care with us, we'd go to visits with the family, and he would run off down the mall, and they thought it was funny. Well, that's funny until you're by a busy street. So he learned to just run off. It took us forever to get him to learn to hold our hand or hold on to a cart or, or whatever in the, in the store. It took us a long time, a long process with him for him to learn to stay with us and to stay in that place of safety. So we had one of those harnesses for a little while and people were like, you got that kid on a leash like a dog. No, he's learning to walk in a place of safety. He's learning not to run in the street when the cars are coming. He's learning to listen to the sound of the voice of those who are loving him. If the Lord puts you on a short string, you learn to hear His voice. It's time to learn to listen. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship. So let me just speak to your discernment. I'm going to go through these really quickly. An indicator of a believer. Now, please don't. Listen, listen. This is great discernment for elders and leaders but let's apply these first to ourselves. I love the guys who, who, who uh, shake my hand at the door and say, oh, pastor, that was a good message. I sure wish my wife would have been here to hear it. <laughs> Funny, I bet nobody says that today. <laughs> Listen. An indicator of a believer who does not practice the truth is one who distances himself from fellowship with other believers. How many understand that if, if he's light and we're walking in him, that we, we are in the light? And so for someone to walk with us, they have to walk in the light, and some folks don't like the light. Right? So an indicator of a believer who does not practice the truth is one who will distance himself from fellowship with other believers. There's no place in the kingdom for believing from the shadows of isolation. Oh, it's just me and Jesus and TBN. I got my Bible up on my lap. Grow up. Get yourself in fellowship with believers. I say it again. Just me and TBN. got my Bible on my lap. There, I said it again. Facebook. No, grow up. Come into fellowship. This is why we are pressing upon the issue of fellowship in this house. You must be in relationship with other believers to grow to a place of maturity. In in Ephesians, we read, I believe it was last week, until we all come to the full measure and stature of Jesus Christ, to unity of the faith. So, the enemy, how many understand, God, the scripture always talks about us like a flock of sheep. The wolf always comes in, he looks at those that are on the outer perimeter. Oh, if it was me as a believer, I'd get right in the middle of the stuff. Because the enemy has his eyes on those who are on the peripheral, and he's looking for the weakest of those to take out. I would be wanting to get up in the middle of the stuff because the enemy is looking for those who are hanging back, who are being just a tad distant. An indicator, a believer who does not practice the truth is one who continually in their decision making, they seem to be as if they are stumbling in the dark. Is that you? Don't look at somebody else. If in your decision-making, you are constantly stumbling in the dark or you're making a decision and then you're having to back up from that decision and reshape it and make it differently. Now, please don't misunderstand. You've got to make decisions. You've got, you've got to move in life, but you've got to learn to hear the word of the Lord. You've got to learn to hear the voice of God. You've got to learn to sit with His word on your lap and let His word get in you so that the... so that Uh, this begins to form the decisions that you're making. The Bible says, for instance, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So everyone who's considering entering in any kind of contract as a believer must stop and assess, is that contract yoking me? with someone who's going to mishandle the terms of the contract and lead me down a road of destruction? Am I going to be tied to something destructive? It's just what the Word says. So it becomes wisdom that we... The Bible says of wisdom, this is part of walking in the light, wisdom Wisdom cries in the street. The Holy Spirit whispers, wisdom screams. Don't do that! That's how wisdom sounds. I know that was not extremely religious right there. But that's how wisdom sounds. Wisdom cries in the street. God is not hiding wisdom from us. Wisdom is screaming in our ear. And the more we read this and the more we know this, the louder wisdom becomes in our understanding. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Then the third one, an indicator of a believer who does not practice the truth is one who tends to live in a way that is hidden from sight. I want to help you with something. Insecurity that is rooted in self-consciousness is the opposite of God consciousness. Why am I saying all of that? Because because Jesus said, early in his relationship with the disciples, he says, I'm the light of the world. Don't walk in darkness. Walk with me, walk in the light. But when he left them, you know what he said to them? You are the light of the world. You're a city that is set on the hill that cannot be hidden. An immature believer desires to be hidden. Hidden when God is trying to expose you to the world that is around you. He's trying to expose what he's done in you to light and life. God called believers to live large and to live out loud and to live exposed to the world that is around us. Let your light shine. The word says, let your light shine. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. If we say that we walk in the light and we're walking in darkness, we are deceiving ourselves. Let's stand together. Prayer teams are coming and they're going to be up here. If you are staying with us for um, newcomer reception, please do that. If you are here today and you're a newcomer, if you've been here uh, one day to six months and you'd like to attend lunch with us today, you're welcome to do that. All you need to do is just just tell me at the door you're going to stay for lunch and, and do that, please. We'd love to have lunch with you. I want to pray a blessing over you. Father, I pray that this word that has been delivered to us today causes us to identify the places in our life where we have been walking in darkness where we have been pulling over to the shadows, pulling into the shadows a little bit, where we need to come into the full exposure of your word and your love. Would you just let that happen in our lives this morning? Would you just work that out in our hearts right now as we stand here in your presence? Would you give us the confidence and the understanding of your love for us? So gracious is your love for us. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who do not walk after the flesh, but those who walk in the illumination of the Spirit of God. Let us walk in the light. Let us be believers who are walking in illumination. Who are illuminated with wisdom and understanding that leads us to a life that's full of blessing. Full of the good things of the Lord. Full of the kingdom of God.